Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. You're listening to episode 31 of We Do Recover. I'm your host of this thing, Jared Miller. Today I'm joined in studio by your co-host, our medical expert, Dr. Terry Sellers. Woo woo. What's up, everybody? going on buddy i'm happy that you're here yeah you know we I'm also have here too absolutely we also have in the house our producer makes this thing possible sean denovan i push the buttons oh he he didn't do the hauler today oh, I holler. <laughs> <laughs> that's like his his become a signature thing man yeah and finally let's get to the man that this episode is all about episode 31 our featured guest chris martinez what's up everyone glad to be here we're happy yeah. that you're here too man happy yeah, you could be in the house with us yeah it's all good so this podcast is recorded in slushy today for Thank episode you. 31, St. <laughs> George, you. Utah. That's right. Episode 31, part one, is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. Seriously, if you or a loved one need help, give them a call. 801-800-8142. I promise, even if you just have questions, just reach out. They're, they're an amazing resource. They'll get you plugged in, get you some help. All right, well, let's kick this thing off. What's going on in your world, Doc? Uh, a couple. Well, one thing in particular. So I got my second COVID vaccine yesterday. I heard so that hurts. According, it's not that bad. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's not a big deal. But according to all my friends now, I've been injected by a micro bot that uh, Bill Gates controls. So <laughs> none of my thoughts are my own anymore. And uh, I'm completely under all government control. So, so you can't good. be held liable for what comes out on this right. podcast. Exactly. This you, is all Bill Gates' fault. <laughs> yeah, that whole chip thing. Yeah. I was listening to something. That whole that chip that controls you, that goes back to like a 1970s parody movie. <laughs> and it's been perpetuated through multiple like cultures, religions, the mark of the beast and the really? Bill Gates and the chip thing. It all goes back to this, like this really crappy movie you can't even find on YouTube anymore. Really? <laughs> yeah. All goes back to that. There you go. Well, I'm part of the movie now. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Sean Denneman, what's new and good in your world? Oh, you know, working my side hustles. And actually, the side hustle I'm working on may benefit you. Oh, what? Oh, let's yeah, hear this. Some technology stuff I'm working on. Way cool. So when Sellers isn't here, we might be able to uh, change things up a little bit to get some better audio. Oh, nice. wow. That could be cool. Nice for when he Skypes in. Yeah, possibly. Maybe. I love it. Looking man. into it. I like Keep up side, side hustles. hustles. Going to charge you more for that. Yeah, um, of course you will. We'll talk. We'll talk <laughs> off air. But the Dr. Pepper's free, so that's okay. Listen, I, uh, just build a recording studio in my house. How much How much are those going for? You want a, a cheap one or do you want a nice one? Well, a nice one, of course. Okay, so eh, how much do you want to do? Uh, you I, want you want a cheap one like three four hundred bucks, yeah. Well, that's how much does an expensive one run you? I don't know. It depends how many bells and whistles you want. Can you go to ten thousand? Mm, easy, easy. Oh yeah, in a heartbeat. Okay, easy. <laughs> that's right just on. my labor costs. Just the labor yeah, costs. There you go. All right. Well, let's get a little check in on our our featured guest, Chris. What's new and good in your world, man? Not a whole lot. You know, just another day living the dream, trying to do my best to you know navigate this sober lifestyle. I, I like it. it. I love yeah, it. I like it. That's what we do. You took us right into my new and good. Yeah. What's your new good? All right. Good? So we got a lot going on. We've had amazing support with with the Sober Society Apparel. Dr. Sellers is wearing one version of our hat today. Rocking the hat. It's the arch brim. It's got the knitted back. Yeah. And then I'm wearing the other one. The arch brim is for us old folks. That's right. The flat brim. <laughs> that can't pull off a flat brim. <laughs> I look stupid in a flat brim hat. It just doesn't work on my head. It's okay. So I got the arch brim. It's Rocking good. It. I like yeah. the arch brim too. Yeah, I like thanks. the white on white, the white patch with the white back. Yeah, it's good sweet. looking. So, and then this one, we got this one. It's the all black. It's what we're going with, the all black. So, and then also those are going to be up on this Facebook page that you can order and, and we'll ship it out to you. Uh, also, we got an event coming up. Because of all the love, we've been able to raise some money that we're going to give to the cause, right? People that are trying to transition into sober housing. And then I got thinking, I've made a few bucks on this thing. Might as well do a little, spread a little love for those people that are in recovery, right? Because we're always looking to give back. So April 10th, we've rented out Sand Hollow Aquatic Center. For those of you that want to come down, just wear your Sober Society swag, either a hat, a shirt, the hoodie. 
It's completely free to you. We got barbecue pits open. The whole place has been rented out. Bring your families, do a little barbecue and do a little socializing from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. So I'm super excited for that. It's going to be fun. I'll be there. It's yeah, hard to cool. envision it on a snowy day, but yeah, I promise sure. April 10th, <laughs> you know, it's going to be nice. You promise? I, uh, well, I think yeah, that's a, that's a, bit, that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got, let me point out a couple of things. First of all, so this will be a great opportunity for any friends of the show to come by, uh, check in, just say hi. I think all the podcast folks will be there. And, um, the other thing I wanted to point out is it's okay if you make a little money off of this. It's not illegal. <laughs> I know. Jared I know. feels guilty taking any profit, even though he spends <laughs> hours and hours a week working on this stuff. But it's okay. But listen, Jared's not taking home much money. So That's every true. time he makes a buck, he gives it back. So I love that. Thank That's you. Awesome. And I figured it'd be something fun for everybody. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping it We ought to maybe have a live, like a little live feed and just check in with everybody that's there and have everybody give us just a little, you know, tidbit of what's going on in their lives or something. That might be fun. I'll be walking around with the go yeah. live. That's a great Let's do idea. It. And then yeah. we can, we can post it on the webpage and maybe even use it in the podcast the next week. Absolutely. I love that idea. Yeah. Let's love do that. It. That'd be fun. Make it happen. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Why don't All right. We dive into Chris. Guess what we got going. We yeah. got Chris Martinez. I'm going to tell right. you, I got to tell you my story first. Okay. So growing up, one of my really good friends was Chris Martinez. And it just dawned on me that it's the same name. But I went fishing. So uh, I met Chris in, I was bagging groceries in a grocery store named Publix, which is a grocery store in Florida. And it's a big chain. There's a bunch of Publix in Florida. And um, uh, I met Chris there. He was a stock a stock boy and I was a bag boy. Um, he, which means he was cooler than me because stock boys are way better oh, than back boys, right? Higher status. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But anyway, we went fishing one day, right? And uh, I used to do some shark fishing in Florida. Nice. And it's, it's pretty lazy fishing. Shark fishing, you just basically put a big roast beef on the end of a giant hook and <laughs> throw it in the water and then lay there until the shark bites and then you just reel them in. Sounds like my kind um, of fishing. In fact, we used to do it from occasionally uh, bonf beach bonfires. You'd do that from the front winch of a truck, and you'd throw the roast beef in and hook it up to the front winch of the truck, and then whenever a shark bit it, you just turned on the winch and cranked it in. <laughs> it's not exactly sport fishing, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, what we used to do is we would um, you reel the shark in, and then uh, the guy with the gaff hook on the side of the boat gaffs it, and then you pull it in the boat. Everybody jumps up on chairs and stuff, and basically beat the crap out of the shark with a, with oars and with <laughs> you know baseball bats, whatever we had to kill it. I saw that go bad in a movie called Jaws. <laughs> well, it went bad this time. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. So we pulled in this little baby sand shark that was about uh, maybe twenty four inches long, maybe a little bit longer than that, and. Chris Martinez decides not to jump up on a chair and this thing's thrashing around and it bit off his little toe. Oh, and Chris, so, you're missing a little toe. Yeah. So my friend, Chris Martinez has only four toes on his right foot. Oh, a so. different Chris Martinez. Yes. My friend, Chris <laughs> oh, Martinez. Okay, okay. You have all your toes, right? I do. All right. Good. <laughs> I do. All right. So it's not the same guy. No. Uh, all right. So let's get into Chris Martinez. Tell us, uh, who you are, uh, what's happening right now. All right, well, you know my name, Chris Martinez, but I'm from Fillmore, Utah. Oh, there you go. Uh, you know, recently went through treatment through crossover recovery, and now I'm out in sober living here in St. George. Um, That's the one that episode 12, I believe it was, we had Carol Hollowell come on and talk about crossover. It's one of her, yeah. one of her many. Yeah. Right, it's a great place to be. I really love that place. But Good. Yeah, that, that taught me a lot about myself, and, and, you know, here I am, you know, just doing my best to, to work my program and, and stay stay sober. So love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how it's interesting that you say it. Uh, you learned a lot about yourself because so many people, when it's time to go to treatment, they resist so much, and what they're really resisting is learning about themselves, right? We're afraid to explore what that is, and so that manifests as – we cut. We don't want to explore that, so we cover it up with drugs and alcohol. Right. And it's a. We're all afraid to explore kind of what's going on in our inside of us. Yeah, yeah. checks out. Yeah, I think for me, it's not so much being afraid to to explore anything. It's just the, the uncomfortableness of of the change and everything. It was what was most difficult. For you know? Sure. 
Yeah, Were sure. you resistful in going to crossover, Chris? I how how uh, willing were you? Like, what was that you circumstance made, you or just situation? Made up a word, by the way. What resistful? Is that not a word? <laughs> how about how, re- how about just resistant? Resistant. Yeah. Thank you. I'm educated, guys. Wait, no, okay. I like that. Is it resistful? Resistful. It's I like that. It's kind of a cool word. The, Let's use that in Scrabble. Dictionary? Yeah, Nobody that's will that's question me. It's resistful. It's kind resistful. of a cool word, but I don't Stop know being if it's resistful. an actual word. <laughs> Stop being resistful. That's what the cops always say to me when they're beating me. <laughs> Stop <laughs> being resistful. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Re- resistfuling arrest? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I've never been beaten by a cop. Resistfully yes, arrested. Yes, you have. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's. Keep. So anyway, tell me what's going on in your life right now. What's uh, what about Chris Martinez? Where do you live? Well, I live in Sober Living. It's crossover Sober Living okay. next to the high school. Where is that? It's uh, right up next to Dixie High School. Okay. Right. All right. Sweet. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like, got a good group of guys there. You know, I've never been sober living before, so it's a good experience. To, you know, a good transition from being a residential out to sober living and sure. getting back into the world. So sure, absolutely. Yeah. You uh, single, in a relationship, married, got any kids, any of that stuff? No, single. Okay. I've got kids. Yeah, I've got four kids. Do you? you know, yeah. Tell yeah. me how old they are. What's uh, their names? Their names Isaiah, Ava, Taylor, and Grace. Okay. Yeah, they're kind of all over the state. I mean, my son lives in Fillmore right now, you know, and um, I'm working, I'm you know, doing my best to try to build a relationship with them. We've never really had a relationship. So, okay. I mean, that's, that's a struggle. That's, that's probably one of the hardest things that I've been going through lately is trying to find ways to connect with him and, and, you know, start building that. But, but I'm, I'm putting some effort into that. I could probably put a little more, but I'm doing what I can. Sure. I, my daughters, they live up in Orem. So, I mean, I talk to them on the phone. I don't get to see them too often. Two of my daughters, Ava and Taylor, live up in Orem, but, okay. but, you know, I talk to them and try to do my best there to, you know, patch things up. Cause I've, I've, I know them the most, and my youngest daughter, Grace, is in uh, Laverkin. But but you know, like uh, again, it's another same situation there. I'm just working on trying to trying to show the her mom that you know that I'm that I'm gonna you know do good and stay stay the course, and and so I can get back into her life when the time's right. Awesome. Yeah, those yeah, are awesome. great goals. Yeah. Hey, listen, when when God said in biblical form, "Be fruitful and spread your seed." Chris took that very yeah he did. he he started working on that right. <laughs> Go being forth fruitful and multiply yeah. yes he he he's done a great job of that. you know God didn't mean you had to do it all by yourself the, well, it it what? was other people to help oh. that's my misinterpretation <laughs> yeah. of what he yeah. meant but you, you can leave some of it to other people if you want seriously that's a, that's a great goal man that's, yeah that's cool those are those are some really some of the most difficult things that I'm facing you know like as far as the recovery today goes is is finding ways to get back or connecting with my kids and you know, it's super hard, but super, it's super important to me. So something I really want. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm going to, um, I'll just make a comment that I, you know, I've seen this over and over. Right. And if you stay sober, it always works out every single time. Now it doesn't work out in your time frame. Right. It works out in God's time frame, but it always works out. So, and Chris, I've, I've heard that from sellers privately too, as well. So, we both have gotten that message now. All right, cool. <laughs> so God's in charge. It's yeah, no, be I fine. believe that. My my grandma's always told me some something just like that. You know, yeah. it, you know, if God has plans for us all. And, and yeah. I think are you it, calling me as old as your grandma? So. <laughs> 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 uh, don't personalize it, sellers. Yeah. Don't, don't filter it and personalize it. <laughs> Everything's personal. What are you talking about? I've gone over some cognitive isn't, distortions here on the podcast. Some personalization. That, isn't that some, part of the four agreements? <laughs> Take everything personally. <laughs> Maybe that was the fifth one. The fifth I'm not one. quite sure. Yeah. Right yeah. after the one where it says, don't take anything personally, it says, take everything personally. <laughs> for me. So, yeah, I do tend to personalize things for sure. Uh, okay, so let's go back I, to, oh, go ahead. Real quick, I, I just want to let our, our viewers know, this is a pretty special episode, episode 31. Chris is the freshest in recovery than any other, all 31, or all 30 before him. Yeah, that's how much awesome. clean time? How much? How, what's your What's your second birthday, Chris? Uh, August fourteenth, when I got clean. So. Of twenty twenty. There you go. That's so what's fresh, that? Like? I can't do math. Seven that's Seven fresh, months baby. and two days. He so. can do math because he's keeping track of it. I can't do math. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Well, that's a lot of math. But you know, <laughs> I don't know I, if I could do it, I but. thought it'd be good to have somebody in early recovery come on. You know, he's. 
I believe no, it's I have cool. all the faith in him. He's yeah, gonna this hit is going to be a completely different perspective than we normally get, which is really going to be fun and interesting to explore. I think because I think we, there's some things here we can explore for sure. So um, let me just shout out to my wife. Hello, happy anniversary! Even though it's not your anniversary, she'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, our anniversary is August 14th, which is what he just named as his clean date. So oh wow, awesome! Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's an odd coincidence. Okay, so take us back. Let's go back and explore. Let's get to the beginnings. Tell me about Chris Martinez as a kid. Where'd you grow up? What was your life like? Uh, and then lead slowly, lead into, I don't care how slowly, but lead into sort of when you started using and drug use a little bit. All right, well, my life has always been kind of all over the place you know like from from an early age you know I, my parents were really young and and uh so i lived with my grandparents like and that's my earliest memories as, as being with my grandparents i can remember like well, the day that my mom came to pick pick me up and the times that my dad would come and would come and visit us you know because i've never known them to be together it was just always like separate so but uh you know from from my grandparents there in moab like uh you know we moved around like I say, I was born in Fillmore, but and and my sister, you know, that my, the same same parents that me and my sister both. I've got several brothers and sisters, but but one one sister we share the the same parents. But but uh, yeah, me and my sister were with my grandparents in Moab, and then from there, my mom picked us up and moved us around, like you know, different places here and there. You know, she was she was having her struggles too, so it was kind of a rough a rough go at childhood. So you know, kind of bouncing all over the place the, in a reservation. And you know, I don't know, all over really, not not a lot of stability. Yeah, it sounds know. a little unstable. Yeah, it was, there was a ton of instability there, and and you know, my I think my addiction started from all that. You know, a lot of yeah. What do you think that did to you? Like, how does that instability feel to a kid? Uh, yeah, I I have a hard time like sitting still or trusting a lot of things from that because you know, like, mm. no, I'm not sure you know whether if I'm gonna have a place to live. Like, it's constantly a worry of mine. You know, like if that, that it could be taken away from me like at any moment. So. Stuff like that, you know, I've, I feel like that's a big part of it. You know, like, at le at le I think it, it shook my confidence a lot, you know, growing up and things. I didn't, I didn't ever want to be, get too close to things or, or people or, or go out and try, you know, a lot of stuff, sports, or I was always worried about, you know, if I was going to be here that long. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah what, what happens if you make the team and then you move? Yeah, yeah. well, I, I never even had the confidence to go out and try, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself, you know, and that's something that I'm building now still to this day. I struggle with those sort of things. So, yeah, I think it's easier to have confidence in things that are constant, that aren't going to change and aren't going to move. And that, that's got to be a tough way to grow up without any sort of foundation of things that are concrete, that are never going to leave, that are never going to move. Yeah, it, it's 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 caused some troubles. Like I've noticed more recently that that I've I've kind of uh, adopted those same kind of uh, life lifestyles or, or life skills or whatever you want to call it. Because you know I don't get too close to people. It's hard for me to to kind of like I say I'm trying to, my best to to start working on relationships with my kids. But right. but I can I can I catch myself a lot of times and after like you know recorrect or, or, or redirect what, what I'm doing because I I kind of like distance myself from a lot of things so that's been a real struggle you know growing yeah. up and and in life today so yeah sure okay so how was school for you uh like i say like same sort of things you know bouncing around from different schools all the time and and you know like i don't know i i don't think i i've been told that i did really good like in early years of school but you know like come middle school and stuff it wasn't it wasn't real great for me you know i i I mean, I, I probably had the same kind of issues that other kids have, you know, like, you know, self-esteem and things like that, or maybe, maybe not everyone, but, but those are some big issues for me. And I, I didn't, I wasn't real outgoing, was real shy, you know, and didn't want to speak up or anything. I, I was put into special ed and things like that and got behind really bad and from like sixth grade on. So, I mean, that's not going to help anybody's confidence. At no. All, right? So, yeah, no, I was putting, like, you know, they treated you, treated me dumb and, and I didn't, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't speak up for myself and when I tell them that I knew these things. So I just kind of accepted what they gave me. And so it didn't really lead to a, a lot of good education there. I don't think sure. a lot of that's my fault, but well, okay. But there's also circumstance. Not, right? yeah, yeah. The circumstance, you know, like just, you know, that was like, you know, the thing that I love that you're sharing, Chris is a lot of times I feel like people like personally, when I share my story, I feel like a lot of people just hear this. I used to do drugs and now I don't. And there's so much more 
to our stories, right? There's so much more to the right. understanding of, of how we ended up on this path. So yeah, man, like I, yeah, one I thing that, it. one thing that, that, uh, being in residential treatment and crossover really taught me was that, you know, it's not really about the drugs. It's about the feelings that led us to use the drugs, you know? So that's something that, that's probably been the biggest thing that's helped me this far and, and, and really opened my mind to like, you know, myself and, and how, what I need to do in order to, to remain like clean and sober, you know, it's, it's not, it's not about the drugs. It's about you using substance to cover up those feelings, those, those uncomfortable, you know, situations or, or anything that, that I don't like, which there's a lot of things, you know, that, that I didn't like about myself and about like the, the circumstances or situations I was in that I would just try to hide from, you know, and, and, you know, you know, put up this, this, these walls about, you know, life around me instead of just, you know, taking care of business and doing what I got to do. You know, I, I would, I would run away from all that stuff. Sure. Sure. Yep. Okay. Um, tell us how you first started using drugs. Well, uh, my first like use, you know, like, I think I've always been an addict, you know, like I, I was, you know, I've been told that, you know, for even from like infancy like you know like given like whiskey and stuff for for teething you know mm. so like things like that's that a, that's an old mom trick for sure yeah right? so i mean th those sort of things so it's i think kinda oh, harmful has, but uh, moms don't think about that like they're not trying to harm their kids yeah no absolutely not you know i love my mom and she wasn't trying to do nothing bad absolutely. by that but sure but uh but you know i think i've always had a taste from it for for you know that sort of thing you know like I, i've been an alcoholic you know Still well, am an alcoholic. Well, just think about that for a second. I mean, what they're doing is they are, you, you don't get whiskey on your pacifier when you're happy. You get it when you're fussy, right? Right. And yeah. so moms are already using that as a self-soothing tool, which is ultimately <laughs> what it turns out to be for most people that are drinking or using drugs anyway, is a tool to kind of soothe themselves when they're having emotions they don't like. Yeah, and, and and like I say, you know, I love my mom, and and she comes from a traumatic past too. So I'm not sure. I'm not trying to make no, her sound I'm, bad in any no, way. No, I'm not all. either. I don't. Th there's no evil intent there by moms. I guarantee you that. Right. Ne almost yes. never is there any evil intent. They we can, just know we can it does a, calm kids down. We so can, we can put it back on dads too. I remember sure. as a kid, if I played a great baseball game or a great soccer game, dad said we're going out to get what whiskey. No, <laughs> ice cream, right? Oh, okay. Ice cream. Ice cream so it's like you, I was thinking whiskey. You also can use, and I realize maybe this is a stretch. I think sugar is very addictive. You know, no question. So whether we're a fussy as an infant, and we get whiskey, or whether we're celebrating a victory and we get ice cream, right. I, there always has to be some kind of something. Right. You know, yeah. I think there's some psychology behind something that, that feels good, something yeah. that releases some dopamine. Yeah. When in fact the reward the, system. Yeah, that's right. When in fact the reward can just be. The winning the baseball game, right? How about this? I'm proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great reward. That releases dopamine, by the way, some, but not as much as ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the flavor, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, so uh, when did you start using regularly and what was it you were using? Well, I, like I say, I, from an, from a young age, I started like, you know, I'd sneak and steal some, some weed and stuff like that from, from my mom when I could find it. And, you know, I had my friends and we drink with, you know, so I mean, around the age of eight is when I really started regularly doing these things. So yeah, that's a tough start. Yeah. Yeah. That's eight an early developing brain that's being invaded with some chemicals that are damaging to the early developing. Yeah. Brain. Like me, you know, my friends that I live next to at this point, we lived in Hamilton Fort, but uh, we would we would like you know huff a lot of gas and things like that mm. you know just whatever we could do to yeah, yeah. to get away from yeah and fort right I mean just see <laughs> I didn't even know like you know at that point you know like my I thought that was all that life was you know like I'd been ripped from from the only stability that I knew with my grandparents' house and you know to 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 meeting my mom you know I can remember I don't know my mom from like birth but like I said I met her the day she came and picked me up with my stepdad and that was kind of like know how and she took us to to some place and i don't like again she didn't know what she was doing exactly but right but uh it took us to chaos really me and my sister both so and and it's kind of it was just kind of an escape i guess you know like when there you know i, I was i was out there like in hamilton fort alone a lot of the times you know because my mom was very young you know when she sure. had me so she sure. wasn't much wasn't very you know responsible herself so like, uh, you know, I had the neighbor kids and we'd hang out, we'd make, you know, forts. And that's kind of when my criminal record started being built too. you know, getting caught stealing from the stores and we go to school and, 
and burning down like fields and things like that. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Hey, we're about out of time in this segment, but uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about sort of the transition to a little bit more about your uh, addiction, but then the transition to recovery. So it's okay. been Chris Martinez, our guest on uh, We Do Recover with Jared Miller, and we're going to take a quick break, about a 30 second break. And from our amazing sponsors. Oh, yeah. Steps Recovery Steps Center. Recovery Center. Don't You're going to hear us. from them during this little break. Yep, and we'll be back after the break. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. And we're back with episode 31 of We Do Recover. Episode 31 has our featured guest, Chris Martinez. In part one, he's shared like his life growing up and the the things that happened to him, the environment kind of he, he came from. We're going to get back to that. Before that, though, we want to mention the Hilton Garden Inn. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. In Except today when it's snowing. <laughs> Except today when it's slushing. Thank you, Doc. Uh, if you're traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. I promise you won't regret it. We love those guys. Yep. Thank you, Hilton. I agree. All right. Stayed there last night. It was beautiful. Very okay, nice. let's move back. So we got Chris Martinez, our featured guest today. Chris is. Uh, Chris was talking about his uh, early life and how he started using drugs, and we're transitioning towards recovery, but... Um, Tell us what it is that made you, how'd you, when it got its worst, what was it like? What was going on in your life when your drug use was the worst? And then what was, what, what made you decide that this, you need to change lifestyle? Well, I've, I've had kind of ups and downs, like the whole time, you know, in life, you know, going like doing little, little spells what I do do better than I would. I wouldn't say, I won't say good, but I would say better at times than I was like other times, you know, like I've, I've been pretty successful as at in periods of my life, you know, when I had decent jobs and things like that, but, but I, I kind of always thrown it away you know, and I, I, or something came up, you know, like, uh, relationship issues or something. And then I would turn back to using and things like that. So, uh, you know, I've, I've gone on this roller coaster pretty much my whole life about like what I'm doing, you know, either like, or using, I, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't use one substance and think that I was doing good, but, but I've turned completely to alcohol or something and be, you know, drinking, drinking like way more than anyone should. But, but, uh, you know, so I don't know the rock bottom, like it, it happened like, you know, several years, like I say, I started from a very young age, but and got into the hard, more hardcore drugs or what people call more hardcore. I'm not trying to, you know, make one seem less, less, uh, damaging well, than another, but right. But there, we know what you mean. What were yeah. your hardcore drugs? Uh, meth is one okay. of the biggest ones, meth and heroin, but, but heroin yeah. was, you know, that was real brief, like real towards the very end. That was my rock bottom was, was getting into that. So, okay. you know, and kind of, you know, I, I, I started, I started using meth, you know, at a young age too, at 14. So, whoa, yeah. So I've, I, I, I would, you know, for a long time, you know, just, you know, I guess it, it I mean, I didn't see, you know, how damaging it could be, you know, to, I like the way that it, the way that I used it or whatever and the things that the way that made me felt like I never I never really considered like how much damage it was doing to to myself and to my For family sure. and everyone around me you know like the way I was acting and the, how it was you know changing me into this this person that I wasn't really supposed to be so right so. we we're, we tend to be that way though right I remember and we've talked about this before but so one of my things was uh, pills and I remember thinking about uh, like how much Tylenol was in the pill. 
We're not worried about what the actual, the components that are really harming our brain, like the uh, like the Percocet, like the oxycodone part of Percocet. We're worried about the Tylenol part of Percocet because it might hurt our liver. Well, just right. because we want to come up with an excuse to get something without the Tylenol, probably. Yeah. Well, for sure. A little strong. There's that too. I know. I was guilty of that. Oh yeah, for sure. At least you were thinking about your body in some way. I, I yeah. Wasn't, yeah. <laughs> well, I would. I mean, I, I've been in the hospital for a couple times for shutting my liver down or nearly shutting it down from alcohol. So. Well, it's interesting because I saw I saw actually saw a patient yesterday who told me I asked was asking about some medications to help him with a couple of different things, some sleep and some stuff. And he says, oh, I don't like putting chemicals in my body, says the meth addict. <laughs> like, oh. yeah, the guy was addicted to meth, but he doesn't want a sleeping yeah. pill to help him sleep. So, yeah, it's funny how our brains do that to us, though. Yeah, right. For sure. OK, so. When did it change? What happened? And is there an event that happened? And then wh how did you change? Well, like I said, I I don't. I mean, just going through life and, and different different like ups and downs. I think, I think it was just like perfect timing for me to find recovery. You know, like I I was when I when I I got to my lowest point. You know, I was I was using heroin and meth both, and I, I started shooting up and things like that. So I was in a real mm. rough spot homeless and like kind of bouncing around from different places and uh you know i was reached out to by by my my youngest daughter's mom and and she just kind of you know she told me you know like you know if i could just get my life together you know you know i could start seeing my daughter again or, or be in her life you know so i think that was a huge thing uh, when i fell off the the hardest i guess would be when 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 she was, when I wasn't in her life anymore, because we were together when she was born, you know, like, right. and, and that was something that I wasn't prepared to, to lose, you know, even though I, I can see now, like the reasons why I lost that relationship sure. and why I wasn't there, I wasn't really ready for that. And that was a hard blow for, for me to, you know, to deal with. Sure. And I didn't deal with it in the right ways. You know, I turned to, to drinking and using like even more than I was already. So, you know, it just spiraled like further and further downhill for me, like after that. And like I say, I've got, got to the point where, you know, like you know, shooting up and things like things that I swore I would never do, you know, like, cause I'm not that kind of addict, you know, like, I, I don't know. I thought I was different than everyone else, but sure. you know, the progressiveness of things and how, how, how it affects people, you know, it's, it's kind of all the same. It gets there like eventually. And, and I realize that, you know, now that, now that I'm, you know, now that I've been through it, you know, I, I, it sucks that, you know, I kind of looked at people, you know, like I was better a lot sure. you know, until, until it happened to me. And then I remember breaking down like one time when I was in jail and, and, uh, you know, I was, I was coming, coming down and I was, I was withdrawing and, and things like that. And I was scratching at my arms, you know, cause I, you know, I was fiending and I remember like doing all these foul things to, to people or, or, or talking bad about them because they shot up and, yeah, and that wasn't sure. me. And it, and it came rushing back to me and it was real emotional for me to realize that, you know, like the wrong that I'd done there, you know, and, and how it affected them and, and me like, you know, like karma's, karma's, you know, a real thing. And it came back to get me for sure. Yeah. And, uh, that's not an uncommon sort of misperception though. Like we're, uh, drugs and alcohol is this long road. And at the end of that road is death institutions, jail, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, but there's always, when we're on that road, you, th that's out there in the horizon somewhere, but there's little steps along the way. And as long as you can point to somebody on the road, that's closer to death institutions and jail than you, then you can justify, look, I'm not as bad as that guy. Right. Right. But the truth is it's all the same road. And, you either get off the road or you're going to get to death institutions and jail. Yeah. And I, I would say it's the same thing in recovery, right? Like I, now that I'm doing the, the Sudsy thing and uh, counseling and, and working with people, I, I find myself frequently saying, you know, as I'm doing the groups, look guys, there's no difference between me and you. Right. I still have cognitive distortions. Right. I still have triggers. I still have all these. The only difference is I'm a little further down the road just a little more time than, than you. Yeah. And, and as Chris was sharing that, I kind of wanted to dive into maybe a little bit of that. Um, I'm sure you've done some self-discovery. I'm sure you've, you've done some inner perspective work. What would you say your biggest trigger is, or what would you say your biggest reason for use was like, for me, I know that it was loss and grief. What was that for you? I think, I think, uh, like the biggest was 
probably just not being comfortable with myself, you know, like how, how I seen myself, you know, the like shame, I think is probably the best thing I could say, or the, like the, the biggest factor for my use was like, you know, like, I don't know, just different things, different place I've been different. Like I shamed myself quite a bit with, with the, the, you know, lost relationships, the destruction of, of, of a lifestyle that I was trying to build over and over and over again. You know, I kind of beat myself up about that all the time. So it was really easy for me to use that and, and, just you know feel like i wasn't worth it anyways you know and i i it didn't matter or lie you know that's a lie that i you know i kind of built up around using is justifying it that way but so lack of self-confidence not yeah. feeling good enough kind of feeling like imposter syndrome a little bit maybe like kind of just like a real pos at times too you know so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah what does that mean? <laughs> I, I've been told I can't I can't cuss on the radio. Uh, so. <laughs> Sean's over there nodding his head. Yeah. Piece so. of steer manure. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you but go. you know those like I like what you just barely said about the you know the road and and we're on it's kind of all the same road and and recovery it's the same way, you know recovery you know going in like I was I was trying to get into rehab and. And or I, I was at least, I was at least, you know, had the idea in my head, you know, like, and I was calling around different places trying to get in before I was arrested. You know, I, I still, you know, I had warrants and things like that out for me and I wasn't really, I wasn't really putting a lot of effort into it. I, I was trying, but I was still an addict, you know, so I would, you know, until I, I use and I'd be like, start coming down I'd be like, oh, I need to get in rehab. And then I think like, okay, well, then I, those feelings were overwhelming for me. So I turned back to what, what worked and, and so it was kind of a rough rough way to go about it but then i was arrested you know and and i thank god for that because you know that was that was huge for me too because i was right there wanting it but i just couldn't quit myself so the jail you know like that little bit of forced sobriety kind of gave me some clarity that i was really going to go for it and so yeah i love that you yeah. were grateful you that's, got arrested so that's so grateful that's I was great, wrong with this guy yeah that's <laughs> a great comment because that sounds terrible right to most people like you're not grateful you get arrested until you get through it and realize that that did something for you, right? Because can you imagine a guy just being arrested saying, I'm so happy I'm being arrested? No. You got to get through it. You got to get some perspective. And then you can look back. And if the arrest gave you something, like a pause for a minute, like some time in jail where you can't use, or then you become grateful for it. So there's steps to surrender, right? Like there is actual steps to surrender. And a lot of it has to do with self-reflection. And a lot of it has to do with uh, taking a look in at yourself and asking yourself, what is it that I want, yeah. right? What what yeah. difference do I want? And I think institutions and jails are great for that because when you're running and gunning and doing your thing, and especially on methamphetamine, when your brain's going a thousand miles an hour, you don't have a lot of time for that inner perspective or you don't have a lot of time to ask yourself those questions. Sure. But like Chris is saying, when you get those silver bracelets right. by the, right. was it Fillmore? Fillmore, yeah. By the Fillmore PD, guess uh, what you got now? Time. You got some time. You got some time. You got yeah. free time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it might sound crazy to some people, but it was a relief for me to, to be arrested, you know, cause like the way the life was going, the, what I was, the things that I was doing, where, where I was about to go, even though I, I knew it was a bad idea, but that was the hard part is I knew I couldn't stop myself, you know? Yep. I knew that it was all bad and, and things like that. So when I got arrested, like in August, August 14th, like it was a relief for me, you know, like it was kind of like this huge weight off my shoulders and, and cause I did want to recovery our, and, and I was talking with people and trying to reach out and trying to find a way to get in. But, uh, you know, I just, I just, like I say, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to, to do it just myself. You know, I had to have some help and, and you know god answers prayers you know and, and sometimes some strange ways yeah. and he answered mine in, in <laughs> some handcuffs that. so yeah absolutely yeah. handcuffs can be an answer to prayer for sure yep so uh, one other thing i wanted to point out real quick and then i want to move on but um the concept of you know you look back and you shame yourself a little bit over maybe choosing drugs and alcohol over your daughters or and that's just not the choice that addicts are making the choice is between, because when you boil it all down to what's going on biochemically in your midbrain, you think you're going to die and that drugs keep you alive. Now, this is all, again, subconscious, and I've talked about it before, and I'm sorry that I harp on it over and over, but I think it's a key principle. Your midbrain thinks you're going to die, and it thinks you're not going to die when you get drugs. And so the choice is never between your family and drugs. The choice is between survival 
and your family and your brain won't allow you to die because that's its job to keep you alive. Your brain won't allow you to die. So you're choosing to live and your family suffers because of that. Yeah. I got a little, you mind Chris, if I take one minute to, yeah, to a spin off of what, what the doc's saying here last night, I'm doing family group at, at steps recovery where I'm doing my internship. And one of the people that was a, a loved one, a family member said, you know, I, I've, I've always just thought it was a choice and you just didn't have the will to stop. And in the share, I, I, I asked her, I said, have you ever been in a situation where you've been drowning? And she laughed and she said, it's funny because the client that you have there, you know, held me underwater kind of teasingly. And I, and I started to panic. I started to have anxiety. I started becoming fearful. And, and I said, okay, perfect. I said, what a coincidence that this came up. And, and now I'm going to use this to, to help you understand. I said, what did you want more than anything when you were being held under the water? And she said, well, to breathe, of course. And I said, that's what it's like in active addiction. I'm not going to debate whether it's a choice up front or not because right. we don't need to go there. Right. But once you're in the depths of active addiction, it's like being held underneath water and all you want to do is breathe. Yep. Well, all you want to do is is basically get your brain what it's telling you you have to have to survive. Right. right. That's a great way. To that way it. it's no longer a choice. It's not a, right. it's not a will thing. Right. You can't will or want your way out of that. No, I agree. I think that's an important point. If we've spread any message at all, it's that that the guilt and shame that people with addiction feel is really the guilt and shame of just wanting to try to stay alive. Yeah. And it's a bad way to stay alive. It's yeah. not real. That's not true that drugs keep you alive, but your midbrain actually perceives it that way. So. It's a lie that we believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, Absolutely. A, it's a trick that we, we, you know, tell ourselves or whatever, like, but I like, I like what you were saying, you know, like uh, th th you can't compare it. Like it's not about choosing your family, you know, cause a lot of times that shame came up from people, people, everyone around me, you know, other family members saying, oh, you should, you should do this. So what do you think? And you've got kids like, and, yep. and kind of shaming, shaming me all along the way, you know, and I know these things and I, I couldn't yep. understand it. So I'm, I'm sitting there beating myself up, like calling myself these names and cause I, I can't quit because, you know, or I, I, I can't even quit for my kids, but it's not really about that. Right. You know, it's just it's about, absolutely not. It's about, you know, everything else, like the, the feelings that, that I've always ran away from and trying to trying to mask those, you know, because because I didn't want to be vulnerable or I didn't want to be like, you know, seeing I, I just didn't want to have those feelings. I, I didn't want any kind of negative feelings in around it. And you know what my answer was like the air, you know, you're talking about with drowning. My answer was always the substances. So and, and it was yeah. destructive, but but it's what I chose. Right. And, but but it, your midbrain actually thinks it's working. Yeah, it, right. it did so for it's a not, long time. It's not it does. It doesn't. And your midbrain's unconscious, so you don't realize how destructive it is. You only realize it helps you feel better. Right. right. So, okay, so you're in jail. What happens next? Well, you know, my sister, you know, like I, I went to jail, and my sister knew that I was trying to, to get into recovery. So, you know, she called around, and, and I got turned down from, from a few places from no insurance and things like yeah. that. And then yeah, I, and I, yeah. And I kind of, I, I, you know, I was an emotional roller coaster in there. It was only a month in there, but, you know, I'd go up and down, like, where I get in bad attitudes, you know, like she'd call me or I'd call her and, and she'd say, oh, this place, you can't find a place it will take me. So I'd get discouraged and, and, and want to quit, you know, and then, but I finally, you know, I finally, she finally found one that, that would accept me and, and that was crossover. Oh, sweet. And, you know, that, so like I, at that point it was when I was going down. So like that scared me really when she said that you've got a place that you can go. Like I, I panicked in jail, you know, like I didn't, I, I didn't, suddenly I didn't want to leave jail. You know, I wanted to stay there because <laughs> I was clean. Yeah. Well, I was clean. I was good. I had, I had some my homies in there and, you know, we're like, you know, we're, we're, you know, having a good time watching TV and everything. And then and here I am like uh, going into something that I've, that I've wanted, but I've never experienced before. And I didn't know what to expect. It's all new. Sure. Yeah. So, Scary. so that's kind of the feelings that. that I've always, I've always ran away from and led sure. me to use the, the, the unknown, you know? Right. So, so going into, uh, going into rehab, you know, it was super stressful for me. Like I, I was so scared, like walking through like the doors of the recovery house and, and it, like way worse than I've ever, ever felt like going into jail or anything like that. You know, it's so much more scary and so much more real, like going into treatment. Cause you than, didn't know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know what to expect. Like, so I was, I was terrified here, you know, like I'd like to think I'm a tough guy or whatever sometimes, but, but you know, then I was shaking like a leaf going into rehab. So <laughs> I love so, the honesty yeah. right now. I just got to say that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. So that's I mean, cool. Yeah. So I, I mean, and it was, it was cool. Like I, I still, I still have like, 
I still like face like struggles and things like that every day, you know, and I, and I, I don't know. It's like you were saying about the road for addiction, you know, you're, we're all on the same road and we're all going to get to that same point if we keep, keep staying on that road and recovery is the same way, you know, like all on the same, all on that road. And, and over time, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look back and see the things and understand them. But for right now, you know, I don't know what to expect in the future. I, I do my best to try to do the next best thing always, but, but it isn't always easy. You know, it's a really, no, it's really yeah. It's a really tough thing. Like, you know, going into rehab and then, then the second time I was super scared was when I was about to get out of rehab. Like that was a really terrifying thing for me because, because, you know, I have got a little bit of clean time. I've learned some things about myself and I'm scared. I don't know what to expect out of the world now. So I go back in the world and I don't know how my friends or people that I used to talk to or how, if they're going to approach me and, or, or, and if I'm going to be strong enough, you know, I was worried about certain people like finding me or, or, you know, it dragging me down or, or me just jumping back in because that's what was comfortable, you know? So those are common fears, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, you might think you're the only person that has them, but the truth is everybody sort of feels something along those lines at some point in their recovery, in their early recovery particularly. Right. I also want to point out that Chris said it was hard, but you're alive. Right. Yeah. You're here. Yeah. You're yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. You got seven <laughs> months clean, brother. Yeah. You, you're doing it. Yeah. Keep yeah. swimming. Yeah. Keep and, swimming. And... Listen, every day can be hard, but you have gone through the seven hardest months so far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of things have happened, too, in the months that I've been out of rehab, like huge things, you know, like, you know, first getting out and going into sober living, you know, that was that was super scary for me because, again, I didn't know what to expect. And and, and the St. George, I'm not really from St. George. I've never really been down here much, so I didn't know the area. I was real timid about everything around me, so... That was a hard one. Then this and, and is the trick our brains play on us, right? Yeah, because yeah. we're afraid of new things, and the reason we're afraid of new things is we're capable of conjuring up worst case scenarios. Catastrophizing. Like this is not oh, going to yeah. be good. There's something bad could happen. So instead of looking at things as new opportunities for growth, we look at them as new opportunities to screw something up, or new, you know. And that's our brains do that to us. Yeah, and you know, screwing things up like has always been a thing for me, you know. So and now that I've got something to actually lose, it was like really, really scary for me to, you know, to think I'm, I'm you know, I used to say things like in, in treatment, like I was afraid of raising the bar on myself. When people start expecting things out of me, you know, like then it's it was stressful for me because. You know, as long as I was, you know, a dirtbag, so to say, or whatever, then, then no one really expected much out of me. So I didn't. And, but now that I've started start reaching milestones and things, I've got more to more to lose. You know, it's it's a balance that I've got to find because it can be overwhelming at times and stressful. Yeah. You know, worried yeah. about losing that, so losing like the the recovery that I've gained. But you know, I've I've heard a good thing. You know, like we don't really, you know, like the depth of our recovery isn't based on the time that we have in recovery. It's just what we wanted mm, to get out of it. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I, I heard that once too. It's yeah. I was talking to some girl who uh I had a lot more clean time than she did and I don't know, the topic came up of how long I've been clean and sober and she mentioned to me that she woke up earlier than me, so she had been sober longer today than I had. <laughs> and the truth is almost everyone wakes up earlier than me. So <laughs> most people have more clean time than I do on the day that they're talking about. Right? <laughs> that stuff to, the the length of time is I don't know. Is it way better? Not really. I mean, I think I'm, it would be harder for me to relapse right now. Like I, I think I have more tools than I used to have, and I, yeah. but, but I could still relapse. The problem would be if I did, it'd be harder for me to go back too. I think too, like Chris is touching on with time comes confidence, right? right. Like his biggest right. fear was the unknown that right. he didn't know how, if he could do done. this. Right? right. Well, with time you've been through enough situations and hopefully you've been able to walk through them that you go, yeah, I, I, if I can do that and stay sober, I can do this, yeah. right? The time just is that, just reaffirms to you that, that you got this. Yeah. Do you mind if I throw a question at Chris? No, real? no, no, no. So we've got three minutes left, Chris. Okay. You've done some amazing things, but what I want to know is what's next, man? Like what's next for Chris Martinez? What what future goals do you have on the horizon? Well, the future goals that I've got is is to, you know, obviously stay clean and stay sober and, and get into working in recovery and, and uh, like, I don't know, being, being you know, getting some schooling in so I can be a counselor or something in, in recovery. I would like to be, like, 
you know, I'd like to help help guys that, like myself, you know, in the future to 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 find it. You know, so there were some cool people that I met in crossover when I got there. You, one of them, Jared, you know, like just you know, like that I look up to, you know, and and I I really respect and that have been there, and and I can learn from, and and I want to be that for somebody else in the future. So that's one of my biggest that's goals com- right that's now. That's common. That's cool though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and we might know a few people. There might be a few people that listen to this thing that might be able to help get you involved in working in the well, industry. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. Sure. Can I tell a quick little story? Yeah. So I decided I wanted to work in this industry, and I called a certain treatment center, I won't say who, about a thousand times, and they never <laughs> called me back, and I could never get an interview. And then uh, and then I, I talked to Dr. Sellers. I said, hey, I want to work in this industry. <laughs> not only did I not have to call them, they called me. Awesome. Weird how that works, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Good to know people, and we know some people. We so. know some people. Yeah, we you might end up making that happen. Yeah. All right. Well, that'd be cool. I'm you ready. do your part and watch the universe open up. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, true. what I've learned, too, is, is you know, the universe will, will give you what you need. So yeah. I've always, I've always you know, believed in that sort of thing. And it's, it's working out for me, you know. And then, like, recovery is really working out for me. You know, it's still hard at times, like, almost every day, you know, there's something that comes up that, that you know, is kind of triggering or, or I think of the difference that I am now than I was then or how I would have reacted or handled that. And, you know, every time that something does, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm I've actually learning something and getting yep. something out of it. So I'm able to move forward and, and get through it. And then I look back and then I like, think, of, you know, how amazing that is to me that, that where I'm at today versus where I was at, you know, it's still not where I want to be, but I'm getting there closer and closer every day, so. Can you take the last 40 seconds and give a message to love to your to your kids? To my kids? All right. Uh, well, my son, Isaiah, Ava, Taylor, and Grace, I love you guys. And, you know, I know that we've got a lot of catching up to do and, and things to, to work on and building this relationship together. But I look forward to doing all those things with you guys. And, and, and one day, you know, like, you know, hopefully that we'll, we'll be able to, to actually, I don't know, to, to feel like we've always been a part of each other's lives. And, and I love you. Beautiful. Jared, take us out of here. Thank you guys for listening to episode 31 with Chris Martinez. Thank you for sharing your journey in this thing we call recovery. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Join us next week for episode 32. Like this. Share this. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.